Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Hunting History Podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Haley. And really quickly, I want to give a shout out to all of the different um, places that we are finding out that we're being listened to. We're, we're charting kind of all over the world, and that's not a humble brag. I just really wanted to say hi and thank you for listening to all the people in really faraway places. Singapore, Slovakia, Bulgaria, Paraguay, Hungary, Thailand, Finland, Sweden, the Philippines, Turkey, and like all we're in the top 100 in all those different places over the last month yeah it's cool um so hi all of you and um really quickly i want to thank all the people that email us on facebook and instagram it might take me a little bit to respond but not because we're getting hundreds of messages because i am technically challenged and on that note i also want to thank um marty irish girl and nikki with trist beauty collective for your lovely reviews reviews help us so much to be seen by other people even the crappy ones so thank you. Um, and then a little bit regarding last week's episode, we talked about the cemetery guide from Hollywood Forever Cemetery. She is doing a virtual tour of the Hollywood Forever Memorial Cemetery. And you can find information for that on her Instagram at the cemetery guide. And I'll also, with her permission, provide a link on the episode webpage. But it's a free virtual tour. And so all you have to do is go in and um, click on, uh, enter your email, and then put your zip code in, and then you're automatically registered to join in the Zoom virtual tour of the cemetery. So I'm going to be there, so hopefully you're all there. It's May 22nd, and again, I'll put the link in our episode page. Today, we're going to take you on a journey from 1947 until now. It's one of Haley's favorite topics, although she's kind of jonesing for a disappearance story which we're going to do next week but this week we're going to talk about project blue book familiar of course do you know everything about project blue book probably not everything but i think i know a lot well we are gonna um we're gonna i'm gonna tell you all about it from the beginning to end the u.s military hasn't always been so open in regards to their stand on unidentified flying objects or so it seems every time i.e the phoenix light event the military steps in to tell us that we're all crazy and insists that it's a weather balloon. But behind closed doors, they may not be so quick to blow off all these incidents. In 1952, the United States Air Force created something called Project Blue Book. Its purpose was the study of unidentified flying objects. Started originally as Project Sign, or sometimes referred to as Project Saucer, it was kicked off in 1947 by a memorandum by General Nathan Twinning, that declared flying saucers a real and not visionary phenomenon. The purpose of SIGN was to collect and evaluate all the information on sightings, just as Project Blue Book would undertake. In 1949, it was under the premise that it could or could not represent a threat to national security. Originally, the point of SIGN was to either prove or disprove that the sightings reported might be Soviet weapons, but by the final report in 1949, they couldn't say what all the sightings were. Some were debunked as actual aircraft, but others were still unexplained. Director Robert Snyder believed in a theory called the extraterrestrial hypothesis, shortened to ETH, thankfully, because I have trouble with Words. hypothesis. Yeah, clearly. 
which proposes that UFOs are explained as being a physical aircraft occupied by non-humans from other planets. He, along with others, prepared an estimate of the situation, literally called the estimate of the situation, presenting their beliefs. It was ultimately rejected, and Project Sign was replaced with Project Grudge in 1951. Grudge initially started to take over where Sign left off, but with different initiatives. Air Force Captain Edward Rupelt wrote the standard intelligence procedures would be used, meaning an unbiased evaluation must be attained. He said that with Project Sign, everything was evaluated based on the fact, and I'm quote, unquoting, that UFOs did not exist. Additionally, he is quoted as saying, no matter what you see or hear, don't believe it. He believed that what Sign started was initially good, but if you aren't to believe anything you hear or see because it absolutely can't or isn't true, then the findings can't be considered unbiased. Do you get that? Kind of. He said it was started, but here, go ahead, look at unidentified flying objects, report on them, but just know they're not unidentified. There's no such thing as UFOs. So here's your job. Go investigate them, figure out what they are, because it can't be anything else. Right. So Grudge was started kind of based on the opposite of that. Not everyone was a supporter. Several high-ranking officers were openly claiming that all the research was ridiculous, regardless of what was said. In fact, the name itself lends to the thoughts at the time, calling it grudge. The officers didn't like it, and they didn't think it served their original purpose. Reports were sloppy, and they conducted very little research. They operated on a different premise, that it can't be true by debunking all the reports. So what they did with Project Grudge was their job was debunk everything, where with Project Sign, their object was to explain everything. Mm-hmm. You know the, the difference? Yeah. General Rupert went so far as to call Project Grudge the dark ages of UFO investigating by the United States Air Force. Sidney Shallot, a writer for the Saturday Evening Post, didn't help the situation. In two different articles, he insinuated that most reports of unidentified flying objects could be explained away and that any subject on it was blown out of proportion by the media. He went as far to say that crackpots and hoaxes took up most of the roles in popularizing the stories of sightings and that the people claiming to be the witnesses were most likely functioning at a decreased mental capacity. He also tried to say that the Air Force thought it was all silly, which wasn't totally accurate, although some did, not all. I mean, obviously some did. They called it Project Grudge, but not all of them did, or they wouldn't have started it in the first place. Grudge had let the writer be privy to a lot of secret information when writing his article. The hopes were that it would help to, it would help to diminish public interest and that someone writing from the standpoint that this is all dumb and only stupid people believe, then the general public would lose interest. Unfortunately, it had quite the opposite effect. At no time in history were people not interested in what can be found in space. In fact, even knowing and publicizing what the Air Force was doing increased interest. Just the fact that the guy on the History Channel with his crazy hair is so recognizable tells us that people collectively are obsessed with anything UFO-related. You know who I'm talking about? The Giorgio guy? Oh my god, yeah. And I wish... I don't know if he's embracing it and like that's part of his like gag. His but, like, he was persona. think that like someone would be like, hey, if we're going to talk about UFOs that people don't already believe in, maybe we should put the face of UFOs a little, like bit, on this a little bit more normal like, yeah. looking. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how many of those tan, like, Raider, um, what is it? Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, his tan shirt. Like, how many does yeah. he have? Like, eight million of them? Or like what's he do to get the hair? The hair. 
Or where does he find the weird jewelry? Did the hair thing start like on its own or did, and then he just thought, oh, this is how people recognize me. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's an alien is what is it that people always say? Oh, I don't know. Something like that. Project Grudge issued only one formal report. The report, 600 pages long, concluded this, and I'm actually taking it directly from a website. A, there's no evidence that objects reported upon are the result of an advanced scientific foreign development, and therefore they constitute no direct threat to national security. In view of this, it is recommended that the investigation and study of reports of unidentified flying objects be reduced in scope. Headquarters AMC Air Material Command will continue to investigate reports in which realistic technical applications are clearly indicated. And then B, all evidence and analysis indicate the reports of unidentified flying objects are the result of 1. Misinterpretation of various conventional objects. 2. A mild form of mass hysteria and war nerves. 3. Individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetrate a hoax or seek publicity. Or 4. Psychopathological persons. Every single report. They're saying every single report could be... Crazy people? Well, could be put into a box that fit one of these four things. Either misinterpretation, mass hysteria, people making shit up, or people crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, come on. Yeah. The result of the report had an unexpected reaction. By 1951, the only person at Grudge was Lieutenant Jerry Cummings. Apparently, although he, t- he took his assignment seriously... Very few others did. His reports were met with apathy and ridicule. And on September 10th in 1951, a report came in that there was a UFO encounter at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Witnesses reported highly maneuverable disc-shaped aircrafts, plural, numerous ones. Cummings and another lieutenant, Colonel, Ros- Colonel Rosegarden, were ordered to investigate and bring their findings to the Pentagon. Poor Cummings was forced into another report that he assumed would be met with more ridicule. But when he reported what had been happening to Major General Charles Cabal, Cabal became furious. He felt the reporting from Grudge until this point had been sloppy and that Cummings hadn't done his job. Cummings was forced to defend himself and told Cabal the reason why. Everybody just made fun of it anyways, so what's the point? This further infuriated the Major General, who was in fact taking it very seriously. In a meeting, it's reported that the Major General Cabal said, I want an open mind. In fact, I order an open mind. Anyone who doesn't keep an open mind can get out now. Why do I have to stir up this action? Anyone can see that we do not have a satisfactory answer to the saucer question. So he's pissed. He was like, don't come in here and blow smoke up my ass. I want to know what those freaking saucers were. All of us do. At another meeting where he still felt like he was getting smoke blown up his butt, he said, I've been lied to and lied to and lied to, and I want it to stop. I want the answer to the saucers, and I want a good answer. Cabell wanted Project Grudge to continue, but he didn't want it publicized. Rupelt, who I talked about earlier, was asked to take over, and it became secretly known as Project Blue Book that we know now. In 1952, with a new objective and a new leader, Project Blue Book had two goals. One, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security, and two, to analyze UFO-related information. Reports by the thousands were collected, analyzed, and filed. In 1969, the following was summarized by the Air Force, and I actually took this directly from the FBI files, and we'll put a link on our webpage because you can actually go look at it. 
Number one, no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication of a threat to our national security. Two, there is no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. And three, there was no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified were extraterrestrial vehicles. So again, in 1952, first in 1947, then in 1952, three projects later, they came basically to the same conclusion, that either people are crazy, that everything can be explained, and that there's no threat to national security. So basically nothing changed. Overall, Project Blue Book had collected over 12,000 reports on unidentified flying objects. All but a few were debunked or explained as actual known aircrafts. The reports are all now available to you and me due to the Freedom of Information Act and can be easily found online, but be prepared. It's a bit of a leap into the rabbit hole and you may not be able to climb out soon. I mean, literally 600 pages. But then again, I guess during a pandemic, it isn't a bad thing to find something to occupy your time, but... you got nothing else to do. I mean, do you really want to be in the middle of a pandemic and then get scared of UFOs? I don't know. Well, I don't know if I said this before, but the memes that are coming out right now (laughs) because of the pandemic that they're like... Well, now I understand why the government doesn't tell us about UFOs. Yeah, because we'll Cause all buy all the toilet paper. The mis- Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. But the hysteria. So, I, you know, like, be forewarned. I don't know. I spent a whole bunch of times on the, a time on the FBI page. So be forewarned. You will get sucked in. That's the same with the MUFON website, too. I mean, you get sucked into that, too. Project Blue Book disappeared. That is until 2007. The Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP, was a secret investigation program funded entirely by the U.S. government to study UFOs, or what they prefer to call them now, Unexplained Aerial Phenomena, or UAP. I don't know why anyone would choose to put the word phenomena in anything. I don't know why we have to change it, period. I mean, maybe because it has such a connotation to it, UFOs, like crazy people looking out their window all night. I don't know. Why crazy people it? are still going to look for the phenomena too. And I'm curious. I really want to call Mufon and ask them like, are you referring to, I think he was referring to it as UAPs now. I think it's like just generalized. Like that's what they're called now. I mean, I don't I know. like UFOs. Yeah. Whatever. We're calling them UFOs. The program ran for the next five years with an astronomical budget of $22 million initiated by Senate majority leader, Harry Reid from Nevada. You know, the place where area 51 is Mm -hmm. the united states department of defense ended the program in 2012 but that's not really the end Luis elizondo one of the directors continues the effort a former u.s army counterintelligence special agent what a title his title is literally u.s army counterintelligence special agent he's now the director of global security at to the stars of arts and science and he says he quit the AATIP because he claims there was too much secrecy and internal opposition. I mean, kind of what they all faced back during Project Blue Book and, and Project Grudge, where some people supported it, some people didn't. But he quit because he felt there was too much secrecy, that the public needs to know certain things. Yeah. He has continued his work, and it's documented in the History Channel show Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, which I highly recommend. But I have to admit, I had to turn it off because it's a little frightening to see these highly trained, like hardcore, badass pilots, like talking about what they saw. Because you you trust them. It's not like Homer on the farm saying he saw 
a big shiny object in the sky. These are like highly trained, intelligent Air Force pilots saying that they can't explain what they saw. Like it's kind of creepy. I don't know. I just still don't understand how they're allowed to talk about it. Like what happens? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now you can say whatever you want on TV. Go ahead. Go on the history channel. It's all very bizarre. So do you think that they're maybe not real people? I mean, do you, I don't understand. No, I'm just saying, I just, I don't know. There's so much secrecy, but then all of a sudden, when Let's you turn 80, anything. you're allowed to talk about it? Well, listen, listen. Well, and all the people on the History Channel show that I'm talking about, they're not in their 80s. They're very, very alert. I mean, well, they're still, you know what I mean? They're, you have to watch it if you haven't seen it. You haven't watched that whole series. It's a series of six. No, I have. I understand why it's creepy and who these people are. I'm just saying, I just think it's kind of funny. That suddenly yeah. they can talk about it. Yeah, they keep saying the thing that scares me the most is that they keep saying that the activity has increased in re- recent years, particularly in areas where we have nuclear power plants. That kind of freaks me out. That and the fact that in April of 2019, just a year ago, the U.S. Navy took up the torch and confirmed it is updating how pilots and personnel report unexplained aerial phenomena. Like they literally took it to the point that they need to have clear reports, which to me indicates that there's more reports to get. Does that make sense? Yeah. So apparently, even though Project Blue Book was terminated, and so was Elizondo's program, all or some of the military still hold an interest in what we see out there in the dark night sky. The New York Times published Navy footage in 2017. Now, originally it was leaked in 2007, but then it was it became more well-known in 2017 when the Times republished three videos taken in November of 2004 and then two in January of 2015 to show unexplained flying objects. The videos also recorded the voices of the pilots and we'll put the link on our, our page too. The videos, although compelling, aren't the most surprising thing. Recently, as of April 2020, just last month, the usually very secretive U.S. government issued a public statement authorizing the release of the three videos. Kind of pointless because they've been out there for a while. But what is surprising it's the first time they are admitting that they don't know what those flying objects are their statement includes this the footage appears to depict airborne heat emitting objects with no visible wings fuselage or exhaust performing aerodynamically in ways that no known aircraft can achieve and they don't call it a ufo or the new fancy uap but they do say they are unidentified and it's the first time ever the pentagon has gone on record to confirm ufo footage That was like last month. It seems the hobby of millions of people watching the night sky, wishing and hoping for a glimpse of the unknown may have not been for nothing. Hopefully, if the Navy footage is real, we can only hope they are in a friendly mission and not an actual threat to our national security. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to follow and comment on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode and links to our Patreon page and all our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.